The Press Box is here to catch you up on the latest media stories. Hosted by Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, these guys have the insight on the biggest stories you care about. Check out The Press Box on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, man. How are you? Very well, indeed. Very well, indeed. Nice. I saw you yesterday. It was fun. It was indeed. It was indeed. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, wherever wherever you are in the world. Uh, Florence and I will join Ian on Wright's house tomorrow. So if you want to go and check that, check that. And um, a little reminder for those of you who maybe have forgot to subscribe to Write His House since it's got its own feed. What are you doing? It's right there, exactly. In the nicest possible way. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? I think you should do it now. Hang on, let's just, let's just pause the podcast. Go into your podcast app of choice, whatever you're listening to us on, and uh, search Write His House. And, yeah, you got it. Okay, cool. And click subscribe. <laughs> Perfect. And also, while you're there, can you uh, give it five stars? And can you also give uh, Stadio five stars? If you think it's five stars. If you don't like it, don't bother leaving a rating. Just tweet at Okwanga. Oh, there we are. There he is. Let him know what's wrong with it. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't fuck the rating up. Don't fuck the rating up. In lieu of a bad rating, I've come to tweet at you. <laughs> Listen, if you, if, you, if you feel like leaving a bad rating about Stadio, don't. Just snitch about it to Musa at Okwanga. That's true. Snitch back to me and I promise I will handle it in due time. Most of you don't need half an invitation to snitch on something. That's Look true, actually. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, Moose is tweeting about the temperature again. <laughs> really? No, I haven't done that for ages. <laughs> but yeah, today we're going to do a very, 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 very quick roundup of some football because we wanted to do a mailbag because it's been a while. There's been quite a few bleak stories have come out in the last week or so and we assumed that people would have read about them and we yeah. thought maybe instead of doing half an hour on a, on a podcast because it, feel, it feels like we've done quite a lot recently. Yeah, there has been a lot. So yeah, we'll have a bit of breakout. Let's do some football quick. Arsenal had their game in hand in the Premier League. Let's begin there because mm. it was an important one. It was one that is one of those tricky March, April time games in hand, crucial for the league, the, the title race and for 40 minutes or so, it could have been one of those 98% possession, the opposition has zero shots on target and somehow comes away with, with a 1-0 win. Mm. However, what I will say is that I think that was my anxiety as a fan creeping in. I saw a lot of stuff online about Arsenal being poor in that first 40 minutes and what I actually thought was they kept their concentration and focus immensely. They because were both Everton, brilliant. Yes, Everton were set up really, really well. Each time the ball went wide, obviously the focus was around Bakayo Saki, so a very similar thing to what Newcastle did. 
uh, and then Brentford did against Arsenal. But as soon as Saka got the ball, it was two, then it was three, and Saka didn't really get a sniff in that first half an hour or so. Um, Martinelli, I think, struggled when the ball went out to him initially, but then a moment of real, real quality, which sometimes is the difference in these games to unlock. It's a massive cliche, but great pass from Zinchenko, great touch from Saka, and an angry goal. I mean, not to sound all like, well, I am detached from it because I'm not in the title race like that. Like whatever United get will be a bonus because those two teams are so good. But I think, no, I think United, I think still have to see anything they get from this in terms of, Mm. if if United got a title out of this season, they're they're the outsiders in that sense, right? So it's all, it's basically a free hit for United at this point, I think, because I think they're slightly ahead of schedule the way that um, Ten Hag has come through the last few months. But on Arsenal, I thought actually both teams were very good in the first half. Yeah. I'll tell you why I say this. Everton were very good because I don't think, before Saka scored, I don't think a single Arsenal player beats an Everton player in a decisive one-on-one situation in the final third in the entire half. Now, what that means is Arsenal, Everton were exhausted. See, Mikolenko gets drawn forward for the, gets caught out of space for the goal. Like Saka's basically pointing his feet going, put it in, put it in. Because for the first time in 40 odd minutes, Mikolenko has briefly switched off. Mm. But that's mentally exhausting because Mikolenko's covering all this ground. And I think it's no coincidence that basically just a few minutes before, Mikolenko is in his most advanced position, right? So he's like, okay, we've defended for like 40 odd minutes. Let's get forward for a bit. And then that split second, he's dragged out of place. Because like Everton don't lose a single one-on-one. Martinelli, Trossard and Saka. Saka, they're doubling up. Mm. Trossard is out on the flank, um, trying to like make, uh, make headway on the left wing. It's not working because the one-on-one defending is just too good. So the only way that Arsenal are going to score is a gap. Mm. The only way they're going to score. And, and what actually was in, remarkable about Arsenal in the first half, some of the, some of the playing out in the back, some of the diamond stuff, some of the triangles were just spectacular because in order to unbalance Everton, if you play the ball straight into them, it's actually similar to what Brighton did to, un, to um, unpick Liverpool in that first mm. half. I always talk about that nil-nil. If you play straight into Everton, you're not going to break them down. They're too good for that. What you've got to do is play the ball into them and draw them out. So you see Arsenal playing quite a few times, a one-two, into feet and then back into their own half. Everton are drawn for the ball comes back again, the same place it went to, like one-two-one, almost like that. And it was that level of sophistication of passing that just wore Everton down. And everyone can talk mm. about, oh my God, two goals like, you know, released, two goals conceded just for half time. No, actually, that's the culmination of players who haven't made a single mistake, who've been ball chasing for 40 minutes. Like, Gay was so good. You know, Jorginho got dispossessed twice in that first half in really vulnerable positions that led to Everton breaks, right? Mm. That was the quality of what Everton were putting on them. And it was no coincidence that like, you had Onana was very good and Gay was only just behind him. Dukuri broke really well. Gay had a really good first half until he messed up. Mm. That is the level of attention. That is what Arsenal do to you this year. They're, and actually, funnily enough, I think if Man City put this performance on, everyone views it differently. I think because it's Arsenal, if you, put, if you change the shirts from, change the shirts from red to light blue, and City get two goals just for half time, everyone's like, oh, classic City. Oh, that's just what they do to you. Does that make exactly? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. That's what's happened in this match. Yeah, I agree. And the second half, I think, just was so good from Arsenal that I, I put in the right house group. That at one point it felt so comfortable that they literally could have put me on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's slightly harsh on your game, but but then in terms well, of, I don't know, man. As a as a as a as an out of shape man of my age, I feel like. But then after that, Kieran Tierney came on and just started like having a lovely old time. He looked like he looked like a. Like a Scottish Pirlo with his shirt tucked in in the middle of that midfield, <laughs> spraying passes around. And I know that that's, you know, at that point in the game, whatever, but Emil Smith-Rowe coming on, getting some reps. Tierney in midfield looked great, actually. That's your bench on. now. That's yeah, your bench that's now. The bench. And that's the thing about Arsenal over the last couple of years is just gradually, like, again, I, I've lost count how many times I've said this, but Trossard, what a signing. He's so good, man. Like, he's he so, good. so good again. And the assist for uh, Erdogan's goal was so composed. He has a quick look up and cuts it back. So the many people back. would have just driven that blind across the yeah. box. Amazing. Amazing. I think um, there's a lot of things about this team that get taken for granted. And I think actually Odegaard, we have to admit, that's a huge part. This man is in his early 20s captaining the team that is spearheading like a title drive against that Manchester City. I mean, that's, that's 
Remarkable. All in all, very, very good win for Arsenal. From an Everton point of view, though, they looked so well drilled in that first half. And actually, when they broke, a bit of composure could have seen them 1-0 up. Neil Mopai had that chance super early on. Yes. Um, it was the best chance of the first half, really. It's almost he didn't know how to adjust to it, though, did it? He? he didn't yeah, know how to definitely. get it out of his feet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people might be like, come on, you beat them 4-0, they're third from bottom or whatever. But if they play like that against a number of teams in the league, they'll, they'll be fine. Their problem is they're just going to struggle for goals. That's the. They such need a, Calvert-Lewin back quick. Yeah, because Mopai like, is time. really struggling with. Mm. Um, he just doesn't look like he's. He's just not. You know, he's not. His touch, mm. his sharpness, is not there. Yeah, maybe hasn't been for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um. Quickly elsewhere in the Premier League, Liverpool beating Wolves two 0 which was a good result for Liverpool because that first half looked like they were going to be super frustrated. I think uh, Harry Sethi wrote a tweet that said they they, hushed, they huffed and puffed, which I think yeah. was a nice way to describe it. Hmm. They then had the, the Darwin Nunez goal ruled out for a foul, but then two kind of quick fire goals for uh, Van Dijk and Mo Salah. Relatively comfortable in the end. Hmm. So if they could slowly tick along hmm. to the end of the season, they've, ha- they've played a game more than Newcastle, uh, but they've got a game in hand on Spurs. And if they win that game in hand on Spurs, they'll only be three points behind Spurs in fourth. Hmm. Um, hmm. Newcastle have two games in hand on Spurs, but. It'd be difficult for them to win both of those. You never know, especially with the amount of goals that Newcastle are scoring. So, not unthinkable that Liverpool might end the season in a Champions League spot, which, if you're considering how poor they've been by their standards this year, yeah. If they escape with a Champions League spot this season, that incredible. Is that's incredible. That's an incredible outcome for them. Unbelievable. It's a great outcome for them if they can do that. And no reason why not. No reason why not, given their experience and their quality, actually. Mm. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, Visit jiffylube.com. But yeah, actually, on we, we mentioned Spurs briefly there, just in relation to the FA Cup. Um, yeah. have to give a huge, huge shout out to Sheffield United. Um, Good who value beat for Spurs it, huh? 1-0. Yeah, they were excellent value for it. You know, they're second in the championship. They're not clowns, you know. Um, so a great win for them. And I think, look, and there was, this was pointed out on Spurs Twitter as well. You're playing as a team, the quality of Sheffield United, you don't start a team like that. Mm. That starting lineup Kane on the bench, Skip on the bench, you know, we don't, uh, Kulisevsky on the bench. Ugh, hey guys. It's one of those, isn't it? It's kind of like, um, it's, it's kind of like Javi last weekend against Almeria where he kind of rested a few of the big guns. It was a bit like, oh shit, we're in trouble now. Like the FA Cup this season, there's a real chance for someone to go and win that. Yeah. Win the game first and then make the changes. Yeah, because you know? actually the question is also, if you're a Spurs fan, like what are we doing this for? Mm. You know, what's the big picture? Like if we're not going for the FA Cup and what we've got, like, Two games on hand in Newcastle, so they might nip ahead of us in the Champions League race. Like we're not, we're not in a place where we can be complacent about. Oh, let's focus on the league. We're not like that. We're not in that space. And there's no shame in saying. There's no shame in saying. Actually, we're not good enough in the league yet to just sort of bin off everything else. Mm. Like c- compete on all fronts. Like Spurs have got a good squad, and that's a frustration for them. I mean, I'm I'm not a Spurs fan, and I was frustrated to see that. Because Sheffield United, a really good side, and you come in at them. To be honest, even a full strength side struggles at Sheffield United, let alone one which is basically like starting almost like hindering themselves. But yeah, Sheffield United, good value for that win, um, as you say. Yeah, And really exciting in the quarters, in the quarters along with Grimsby. Yeah, well, Grimsby are the story of the round because they beat Southampton 2-1. Not sure about that penalty, but still, we move. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, one of them was a bit... mm, I, you know, it's one of those ones where the elbow, the flailing elbow, mm. the, the over, look, there was an overreaction to 
the flailing elbow at the same time. Oh. It technically is a it technically is a foul in the box. Oh, just another horrible moment in a pretty horrible season for Southampton. But yeah, yeah, from yeah. a Grimsby point of view, let's focus on Grimsby because they have done something that no side has done before. Oh, really? They've become the first team in FA Cup history to eliminate five teams from a higher division within a season in the competition proper. So oh my first round God. That's absolutely amazing. Plymouth Argyle, Cambridge United, Burton Albion, Luton Town, Southampton. That's incredible. It's wild. Shout out isn't to it? Grimsby for that. That's amazing. In the quarters, quarters of FA Cup. Yeah. And uh, just shout out to all the inflatable fish in the crowd. <laughs> so many inflatable fish. <laughs> A school of inflatable fish. Uh, speaking of schools, shout out to the teachers striking today. And also. Shout out to all the kids dressing up for World Book Day. What a, what a, what a <laughs> moment. Did you dress up as anything fun for World Book Day? I mean, I'm, I'm always in costume, aren't I? Oh, he dressed up as a writer. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Cosplaying as a writer. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, massive shout out to Grimsby for getting through. Uh, <laughs> Manchester United beating West Ham 3-1 after going a goal down. Uh, Another good result for Manchester United in what has been a good week. Can I just shout out Lissandro Martinez for sliding in two-footed on Fred after Fred's goal for the celebrations? <laughs> did you see this? Absolutely <laughs> wild. This guy can't be stopped. He was just like, everyone was like, Fred did the forward, like the slide on his, on his tummy and everyone's sliding in to celebrate. And then out of nowhere comes Martinez, two-footed on Fred. <laughs> just talk love, about like... I- Talk about I love OTT celebrations. Oh, me too. I love it. Like extra celebrations. When just... Aletti won the league title that time, there was their, t- their, their celebration of the most terrifying things I've ever seen. <laughs> they were fighting each other. <laughs> it was incredible. So scary. <laughs> so scary. <laughs> Burnley beat Fleetwood 1-0 to set up the company derby. Manchester City are going to host Burnley in the quarterfinal. Incredible. Yeah. We'll love um, to see that. And then Should uh, be a game there. Because uh, Man City beat Bristol City 3-0 on Tuesday. Fulham, good result of a Leeds 2-0 to go through. And Blackburn beating Leicester 2-1 at King Power Stadium. A massive result for Blackburn. Huge. And uh, Brighton beat Stoke 1-0. And they will play, they will host Grimsby in the next round. As we mentioned, Man City will host Burnley. Manchester United hosting Fulham. And Sheffield United play Blackburn. Which is... That's the only tie of the round that I'm a little bit disappointed with because I would have loved those two to have been split. So we hopefully would have. Well, although, yeah. although that does guarantee a championship side in the next round. So I That's suppose there's cool. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four of the eight sides are from outside the top flight. Love that. In the quarterfinal of the FA Cup, which is just amazing. It's been a really good FA Cup, actually. They're really oh, good. It's been amazing. Let's go to Italy because we need to talk about, we need to talk about Jose. We do. Cremonese beating Roma 2-1 on mm. Tuesday. Uh, Jose Marino was sent off two minutes into the second half and uh, apparently the fourth official turned to him and said, they're taking the piss out of you. Go home. Which really sent Marino off. Jose Marino to a point where he was talking about legal action. Kind of fourth official. Is there anything in the rules that says a fourth official could say that to me? But that's the I thing, because he said a fourth official's never spoken to me that way, isn't that what he said? Uh, yeah, but, you know, let's, if, if, refereeing karma, after what he said last year to get sent off to the guy who was involved, whose dad was involved in the Cacciapoli scandal. Yeah. But there's something else that's happening here, which is that people are talking about to me that they never did before. No. The, the level of disrespect he's attracting is new, and this is the thing. I've said this before, it's like when an ageing rapper, or a fighter actually, People start taking shots at you because they're like, ah, oh, the jab isn't as strong anymore. Mm. People are taking shots. I don't think this happens. I don't think Pete Mourinho gets that kind of back chat. Or if he does get it, I don't think he talks about it publicly. Something is... People are attacking, they're attacking the throne. They are. They Do are. You know That's what? new. This is new. The wildest thing about this, though, is that after 24 games, that was Cremonese's first win of the season in the Whoa. league. And they've beaten... They've beaten Roma twice. Didn't they beat Roma in the cup as well? Yeah, they beat them in the cup, yeah. But yeah, shout out to Grimnese. Oh, Jose. Jose going Pete Jose. Werder Bremen beating Turbina Potsdam in the Frauen Bundesliga. Mm. Turbina are 
well and truly bottom and they're going to go down. They've got one point this season, uh, which is weird because they were constantly in and like around the Champions League spots. Mm. And this season, like if they go down, that's well, I mean, they probably will, but that's such a gigantic loss for the league. Yeah. Disappointing as well. We're hoping for more from them. Yeah. More balance. Yeah. A quick shout for the Coupe de France quarterfinals. Uh, Marseille losing out to NSC. NSC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on penalties. Uh, big result for that. Toulouse going 3 6 1 against Rodas and not beating Lance 2 1. Leon beating Grenoble 2 1. And also, just a quick shout for, for Juve beating Torino in Serie A as well, 4 2 in the Turin Derby. Any other football from this week you want to chat about or should we do a mailbag? I think we are good. We're good. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Mr. Okongo, I have a question. Go for it. Question? <laughs> Let's start with this one because we literally just spoke about it. Eunice Choi, how many red cards will Jose get this season? I'm not sure how Is many it three he's already? on. It's three already. Three already? I think he's on three. Uh, I'm going to say he's, gonna, he's definitely going to get one more. Yeah, I think I think one more is coming. Definitely sure. one. I th- so let's say a minimum of four. Yeah, I think one more is true. I think he's already on three. I think it's already three. He was sent off against Torino in November. He was sent off to Atalanta. So he's got three this season. And he's also been booked three times as well. <laughs> he didn't get ready against Snap. He got ready against Snapley, didn't he? No, I think that's it. He's third. So he got, he, uh, it was Atalanta, Torino, and this this game. I think he got booked in the Napoli game. Yeah, he got booked. He got booked against Udinese, Napoli, and Hellas Verona. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep. All good. No player or manager in the league has been set off as many times this season as Jose Mourinho. Do you know what though? I love him leaning into that bit a little bit more. Like he's chewing the scenery. Actually, he's in his like you know when Al Pacino just got to a stage where he just didn't. Oh yeah, Mourinho is fully in his. Ooh, ha, basically. Yeah, exactly, that's exactly that's exactly that's exactly. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, ooh, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what this is. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely. I think he'll, yeah. get, he'll get one more. He'll get one more. Yeah. Red. Anyway. yeah. Uh, just a quick one from Coach Giazzi. He said, I would like to know how Ryan sleeps at night after causing Ian so much stress with those fake trades on Ray's house. <laughs> Not gonna lie, struggling to think of anything that I'm having more fun doing at the moment. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Uh, Let's talk about kits. This one from Earl Sweatervest. Could the current mode of kit production soon reach a natural breaking point with the Adidas Icons line coming out this week? I wonder if brands slash clubs will eventually run out of nostalgia to tap, but that's likely just wishful thinking. So um, there's an Icons line that Adidas brought out this week and Arsenal, one of the the teams that they've done it for. And I feel like this is such a lovely, I mean, some people will hate it and that's totally fine. Personally, I feel like this would make a very strong home kit for next season Mm. bit confused why they're bringing out such a delightful range in March but maybe I feel like they saw the fixture list and they saw that Arsenal were at home to Sean Dyche's Everton and thought this (laughs) they might they might drop points here so we need to get the kits ready (laughs) Um, that's so cynical so cynical on a serious point here, I think that kit cycles are an interesting conversation. Mm. I think we might have talked about it before, but mm. I'm personally massively in favour of bringing back the kits, uh, the two-year kit cycle, alternating when those kits are changed. So yeah, home kit one year, away kit the next, and um, then phasing that away kit to become the third kit. So you get like a more of a sensible like cycle of kits. I feel like there are a number of reasons why I've think that that's a good thing uh, sustainability for a start 
mm. the financial cost of keeping up to date with kits all the time for for people, especially especially nowadays. But also, I just feel like there isn't. I looked into this uh, not too long ago, and something that I was potentially going to work on and never end up happening. But it doesn't. There doesn't seem to be a huge amount of data that even suggests that the current format is e- economically uh, viable. Viable for, for like basically the reason that it is is because clubs can make more money or manufacturers can make more money. There isn't a huge amount of data available that suggests that that's even the only way to do it. And I feel like I'd be really, really interested to see whether the patterns of buying are similar over two-year cycles, how it, but they just change slightly. You know, so essentially, like in, in actual monetary terms. The, the the amount that's generated is pretty much the same, but it's just that the buying patterns changed because of the spread of kits. Um, from a design point of view, I feel like we're. I mean, football design is just part of a wider kind of fashion design, right? And you're starting to see. Um, well, nostalgia is just like twenty years cycle. Nostalgia is becoming it? more. Yeah, but it's becoming more and more recent, and I feel like the 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 the, the, the speed of everything accelerates. Right, as te- technology yeah, the 90s, and the world yeah, the nineties came around. Yeah. yeah, the seventies nostalgia period lasted a certain length of time. Mm. Also, because the seventies was actually just aesthetically incredible. The eighties, I don't think was even at the time. I didn't think it was incredible. I knew it was loud and bright, but even at the time, I was like, "No, nah, this is not the one." Right, the nineties at the time. You know, we lived through the nineties. The nineties was not a great fashion era, in my opinion. It just wasn't like there weren't. But it's funny how the nineties has come around so quick. And not just because we're older, because we are, but you're totally right. Like, it feels like nostalgia, nostalgia is interesting, right? Because the, the 70s was a classic design era, in my opinion. Maybe I'm just biased. The 90s did not feel like a classic design era. It had a style, it had an aesthetic, but it wasn't classic. It wasn't a thing that looked forward thinking. It always felt like a kind of a bit of a stopgap, I think, in my opinion. Um, and in terms of nostalgia, like nostalgia, it, it never runs dry, right? Mm. It never runs dry because what they'll do is they'll go and find something else. They'll go and find a subgenre and they'll make that like, for example, it might be steampunk one day. They might get like a smaller, a subgenre of fashion that wasn't really explored and be like, oh, actually that was the 80s. And they'll say, okay, well that, for example, like, even the icons thing, even this, what they've chosen very interestingly, they've kind of chosen that kind of like Makita trophy type aesthetic. Liverpool away kit aesthetic with a kind of the three stripes down the sides. That's a very specific type of 90s. That's like a very small window of the 90s. So does nostalgia ever run dry? No, I don't think it does. And can I be honest with you as well? This thing about the kit cycles, I wonder if there's an element of like a bit of a loss leader approach, as in we know this particular range doesn't make money, but we're putting out these regular kits just to keep us in the shop window and to justify our mega contracts with, with this club. Because also, don't forget as well, the era of like mega ownership, mm. there are like clubs with like owners with infinite resources who actually are throwing around money. And it's more of a status symbol to have, let's say, Adidas doing your kits than it is to turn a profit. Yeah, I mean, the way that the model works is that essentially um, manufacturers pay clubs a fee to license. Use Adidas as an example. Pay Arsenal a fee in order to create licensed merchandise with Arsenal branding on it. That's basically right. the way that it works. And therefore you get a guaranteed amount of fee plus an X amount per, per item. What's interesting to me is that there doesn't, like I say, there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of data available whether actual cycles create more, whether they're two year or a single year. And I think that I had a, I had a really interesting conversation about this with, with two, two things I want to say about this quickly before we, I'm going to touch on your nostalgia point quickly, but um, with this, uh, I had a really interesting conversation at a, from, with a very, very senior designer, at a very, very big uh, manufacturer not too long ago, who has probably designed some of the, some of the very rem- like memorable kits over the last few years. And we were talking about creative ways to update away kits for a second season to become a third mm. kit, you know, taking in sustainability and taking in like des- design aspects and stuff like that, and also taking in engagement. And it was really interesting. But one of the things that I also said to them, and um, they actually agreed was the problem that we have nowadays is that, and this leans into the nostalgia things, iconic kits become iconic because they're given the space to become iconic. 
Yes, yes, yes. And kits now, when you have three new kits per per season, per team, yeah, kits aren't worn enough to create enough memories to become iconic. So, for example, every, the reason yeah. that everyone remembers the Arsenal Bruce Banana kit was because there was enough, there was enough, they, they played enough games in it, basically, for people to remember it. The reason yeah. why the Arsenal um, yellow with navy sleeves is so iconic is because they won the league at Anfield with it, you know? Yeah. The reason that the iconic Umbro England kits from the early 90s are memorable is because they spent years wearing them. What happens now is, using Arsenal as an example, they've got three un- unbelievable kits this year. They've barely worn the pink one. Yeah. So you might actually get to a time where you, you release a whole kit and it might have been worn three times a season. Like Napoli. Exactly. Napoli's a prime yeah. example. I mean, Napoli's yeah. a little bit of a weird one because they literally got like Emporio Omani doing the kits, which is like, there's such a, like an anomaly, like it's wild. But I feel like with, with the kit cycle now, there's a longing for nostalgia because I feel like also, I think it leads into two things. I feel like we, we remember the kits just because they were literally, they literally featured in more memorable moments. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing. The second thing is that I feel like with football, it's really, it, the nostalgia thing leads into a time where football felt more real. Mm. Yes, yes. And the problem that happens because is that when football starts becoming self-referential, it's interesting because it kind of feels like these aren't enough. We have to, we have to, we have to almost like jumpstart it with the feelings of the past. Yes, yes, yeah? yes. Perfect, perfect. So per- what happens? Per- so what happens when we get to the point where actually we've referenced everything up until about two thousand and eight, where football became hyper global, hyper capitalist, hyper self-referential then. What happens then? Do we go for a third? Do we go for a third stage of referencing? Do we do we slight do we go back again? It becomes really interesting where you have all of I've these factors it. involved. Yeah. You have all of these factors involved that aren't really just limited to to one train of thought. And it's going to be a really interesting from from someone who like really admires design, it's going to be a really interesting it's going to be really interesting to see where not just football design design in general but football specifically where kits are in at the beginning of the 2030s because are they going to be referencing you know 2014 15 kits Ryan I've got a thought I just had a, let me throw this out sorry just one more thing because the problem yeah, is yeah. with that is that those kits weren't memorable two years after they happened so they're not gonna. They're not gonna instill the same level of love and nostalgia that kits that everyone remembers. People can barely remember kits from their own clubs from a couple of years ago, or what year they happened. Whereas if we go back to a certain time where these kits were allowed to breathe a little bit more, you can go through every single kit where that was worn, from mm. when to when. Well, I'm going to throw this out there and make a musical analogy for you because I think you'll appreciate this. I Do you know there was an era when? People were sampling in hip hop, people just sampled, 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 and they basically mm. ran out of samples. Yeah, yeah. Not ran out, but they kind of did, right? Like the well ran dry. And then what you have, what happened then was what do people do? They keep hold sampling and they become like dinosaurs, relics. And you can tell which producers in hip hop have not like really shifted the times. Or they find new production styles or find new, new influences. And I think that's going to happen in shirt design because it has to. If you run out of influences, you either rehash stuff or you completely break the mold. And this is, what's, this is what's exciting for football, both from a design perspective and a content perspective. You see how the NBA, the NBA is always a leader with these things. NBA design, for example, some of their old retro shirt design, but some of the new stuff is spectacular, right? There was a mm-hmm. point with the NBA where they basically thought, you know what, to hell with the old stuff. We're going to go and just make stuff that's just super cool. And we'll have kits where you haven't even got the name of the, the club on the kit or the franchise on the kit, which is a very different US context, but there was a very bold design decision that was taken in the NBA. And I think it has worked spectacularly in many cases. The other thing I think that's interesting with football, and this is not just a design question, it's about football content creation generally. The old formats of punditry are getting tired as well. Um, there is more and more interest, I think, in player generated content. You look at like the NBA, for example, and what's been brilliant there. I reckon that the next few years are going to see a, a transformation in design and also content creation. Like I think we're going to see a lot more NBA style player to player conversations. Yeah. 
Does that make sense? And yeah, like, you would, yeah, but yeah. also like from current players, because the, the big thing in football right now is it's really hard to get current players to talk about mm. football in a relaxed way. So but, I think I think that's I think there's going to be a total transformation. I think in both of those fields in the next few years. Actually, on your NBA point though, that's quite interesting because M- the NBA was um was a really good example of uh, uniforms would 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 run on like a multi year cycle, you know, mm. and often it would it would um they would be changed when a franchise changed its whole branding yeah. a lot of the time. So you, for example, like you look at like the Utah Jazz early 90s stuff and then what they, they became with the navy and the green and gold and stuff. It was amazing. Yeah. When Nike took that contract on and there was obviously, they got, they got the rain, they got given the green light to go and kind of kickstart some design stuff. We were actually talking to the guy not too long ago who was involved in a lot of that stuff. And that's great in a sense that you then get a chance to flex your design chops every season to because there are new uniforms that come in every year because they have like the city edition and all of this kind of stuff as well as the classic you know home away uniforms that run parallel so that is quite a nice mixture where you have you have a a constant in terms of the the home and away and then you have maybe two two jerseys that that flex a little bit of the the novelty or yeah so there is an interesting conversation maybe there's a middle ground maybe there's a a middle ground where you have like okay every home and away runs for two years Mm. in the second season the away gets pushed to the third kit right and then there's a new away kit like a cycle yeah like a rotation yeah yeah yeah, and like so you have this middle you have this mixture of kits being given the time you know, like some do do it. I know like we, when we've had this conversation before, I think, or we've talked or we've tweeted. People do write people, to us and say that. Like Brentford, actually, for example, reuse yeah. their, their, away, their home kit this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forest Green Rovers, I think, have committed to it. There are a couple of other clubs, I think, high, have thought usually this, lower yeah. down the pyramid that have like committed to that. For example, as an Arsenal fan, in the final two years of their Nike contract, they had the same away kit, uh, same home kit. Now that home kit with the... I always call it like the Netherlands stripe because it had the navy, <laughs> white and red stripe on the cuff. Mm. It was the one they won the FA Cup in yeah, to break the trophy drought. But also it was probably the most memorable of the last few Nike kits because it was the only one that ran for two years in the, in, the, in the home kit sense. And that was only a decade ago. Well, here's a lot of fan engagement, fan engagement, white paper. How much of this is part of the conversation? I don't think it because- will be. I don't think it they, will be because it's nothing won't. to do with it's nothing to do with ownership or stuff like that. I, I just want to I want to just push back slightly because I think kit cycles are actually a key part of fan engagement. To be honest, yeah, they are. They are, but they're not going to fall into. I don't think they're going to fall into because they're not. They're nothing to do with the running of football clubs. Like I don't think you can govern. You can govern how a football club is run and give it a license, whether it's a football club or not, or de- determine whether the ownership is fit and proper. But sign off on whether they can actually change their kit or not each season is. I think then, I think I put it this way. I think if, I think it'd be really interesting. I think under the banner of fan engagement with this white paper, I think, look, cost of living and all the rest of it. Let's say your family, your match going family, there's four of you that go to games or friends go to games regularly. Thinking actually part of this conversation is, do we want to fork out X amount for this many kits? And, you know, I just think it, I just think this needs to form part of a conversation. The tricky thing is, is that it's not just a design question. It's not just a economic question. It's not just a societal question. It's not just a technological question. It's a question that involves all of it. And I think yeah. the problem is, is that it's part of a wider thing, not wanting to get too philosophical here, but the speed of everything increases. Yes, yes. Content. That's why we don't, we don't really like to use the term content because, you know, the thirst for content or the need for content, it becomes something that you have to do just to fulfill the cycle. Yes. There's a balance that gets shifted. And I feel like what's happened with a lot of football merch has mirrored what has happened in a lot of wider society, societies that cycles of everything become smaller. Yes. Like album cycles, for example, from music, Due to technology and just a change in kind of how people relate to music or consume music or value music. Value is another important thing here. Album cycles have, they've basically gone as quick as they've had, as as quick as they've happened. Everything is, everything moves at such a speed that I feel like actually, you know, like um, certain uh, broadcasters or like streamers, streaming platforms have gone back to this, this, this this, uh, friction. So Mm. friction applied at the actual, 
yes, beginning yes, stage yes. of the cycle. So that yes. it's almost kind of like consumers can't be trusted to consume at a steadily rate. So therefore we will implement a forced friction where we, 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 you know, we go back to old school watching. One episode you, a week. Was, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I feel like there's a similar conversation that should be had with football merchandise because I feel like. Brilliant point. Yeah. For the. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, it may mean that you might, as from a designer, you might not be able to get out every single idea every single year, but they don't do that anyway. I just feel like it would be really, really interesting to actually discuss whether that kind of possibility is something that, because I, I, from a gut, my, my gut check on it is that it would be, like, I would be perfectly happy, speaking as an Arsenal fan, if we had this home kit again next season, because I love right. it. And if Arsenal win the league in it this season, it will become memorable. But if Arsenal had it for two seasons, it would become even more memorable. And then, if it's a kit that you spend two years with and it's something that you win a major trophy in, it becomes iconic. Absolutely. And ironically, it's a self-referential kit. It's a, it's a kit, for, it's a re- references the first Nike kit that Arsenal had. So it's a bit like, it gets a bit meta, you know. But anyway. I don't know. Maybe this is just. But isn't isn't it funny how kits nonsense. are actually a philosophical question? It's funny because yeah, they they're never yeah. the conversation about kits is never a short thing because it speaks to identity and and society in ways that are quite interesting. Mm. So I always love those. Yeah. So great. Listen, that was a long answer to a short question, but it was it was cool. No, no, it was a decept- it was a deceptively short question. Actually, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Great question. Kunlia Jo. Oh God. I don't know what, because, he doesn't care what I think, he just wants, this is, this is addressed to you. If Musa designed the perfect Stadio-esque football match, what would it look like? Ah, for a start, I'd be the sporting director. <laughs> okay, where would it, where would it be? It'd be a football match, not a tie, not a football tie. Just, just a match. If you were sporting your director, would you go through Lewis Campos and be, come down on the touchline and start shouting at everyone? Oh, don't, oh, don't forget it. Of course I would, yeah. Run on definitely. the pitch. Oh, Kick God. the ball away. Listen, but enough about, <laughs> enough about me. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, I think it would involve Real Madrid, okay. actually, uh, because I think that Real Madrid with that sort of big club glamour, um, and I think it would involve maybe a, a German team just for the atmosphere. So let's say like an Eintracht, let's say this, right now, because the answer always changes, right? But right now I think it's Real Madrid, Eintracht Frankfurt in Madrid. Which is, because- has very good food. Yes, this food's unbelievable. So that's like that's that's yes. my first stadio thing. Yes, um, Real Madrid because you got that kind of like the aristocratic grandeur, and then you have got the kind of the upstart vibes of Eintracht Frankfurt, Glasner, tactical masterclass, and you've got Kola Mouani coming into a club where he ends up being so good in this match, whatever the outcome, that the Spanish press afterwards are like, that's Benzema's replacement. So I want Kola Mouani to come into Madrid and have an incredible game. For Eintracht, maybe they draw like a late equaliser, like a three-all, let's say. A three-all, like a Kola Mourani, like let's say two goals and an assist. An attacking masterclass from him. Midfield masterclass and Camavinga, Chiromene. Um, yeah, a three-all draw. And then a couple of touchline reds. And I'd, of course, get a touchline red. For, like going down to the touchline and doing a kind of a Campos type thing. So I think that would be perfect. So a three-all draw, yes. You do to the fourth official what you did to Matt Hancock in that pub. Yes. <laughs> just just him down in front of everyone. I'm not sure if, if you ever talked about that on the podcast. The Matt Hancock story. Um, no, I don't think we need to, but in short, everyone, uh, Musa saw Matt Hancock in a pub and he was, uh, you know, taking selfies with everyone and Musa basically was just like, what are you doing? Ashamed. Yeah. Yeah, well, I just thought- In front of yeah, everyone. Like, and then Musa walked out and, uh, kit, you know, he, Musa walked over with his cowboy boots on. You just heard the jingle, like the, the, steering, <laughs> the spurs. Psh, 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 psh. Was like, no, that, that is true. What? Took his toothpick out. <laughs> took his toothpick out and just went, Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, actually on, on that, um, no, we, we did have an encounter very briefly, but what was interesting about uh, the Matt Hancock thing was we have such a strange culture of, of cultural politeness in the UK that a lot of people that wanted to say something to him didn't. And I kind of, and I spoke to him very directly. I wasn't sort of, no raised voices, but very sort of directly. And I went away at the end. A lot of people came up to the end and they were like, oh, thanks for saying that. I said, listen, the reason this country's in a mess it is partly is because people don't say stuff like that. People stand around and don't have the confrontation. And that's yeah. why we're kind of partly in a mess. Anyway, but yeah, so I would, so couldn't they, short, long answer to your short question, um, three-all draw, Real Madrid, Eintracht Frankfurt in Madrid. 
and Kona Moani puts in a masterclass. Can I throw, I know Conley doesn't care what I think, but can I throw out one? Yeah, please. For this season, I want this to happen. Mm. I want Manchester United to draw Roma in the Europa League. Oh my God, yeah. And Go I on. want Manchester United to win 2-0 in Rome. Right? Yeah. And I want Roma to score a 93rd minute winner at Old Trafford, which means that the game is 3-0. And they've won the tie. And I, just because I want to see Mourinho fucking erupt. You're like, go ham. Yeah, and see what, how he behaves. You know that, like, that cartoon of where the guy wins the gold medal and he's like spraying the champagne, like, and, like, and, biting, the, and biting the medal. Yes. <laughs> Basically, Mourinho is going to be the human version of that if that happens. Now, I know that, that's like, that, yeah. I know that yeah. sounds like horrible and it sounds like I'm trying to dig out Manchester United. I'm not. The only reason I want it is because I think they're the only former Mourinho team in the Europa League. So basically that's the only kind of old side he can go back to and do that to. And then get sent off. Roma score the third in the 93rd minute. Mourinho gets sent off in the 95th because it's, no, 96th actually because it causes a melee of, his his celebration causes a fucking melee down in front of like, you know, he does, he tries to recreate his Porto moment 20 years later. Yeah, exactly. He does, he does. uh, And it just, it just all fucking goes. And he does that whole thing where he goes wild old man and he's getting dragged away and he's just like, you know, doing the weird, like, I'm not even looking at you while I'm pointing. I'm looking at you at an angle because I know that Getty images are going to snap this and I need to, he's, Mourinho is so good at this now, right? I know we're talking a lot about Mourinho kicking off today, but Mourinho is so good at this now that he now actually, you know, when people like, kick an Instagram pose you see influencers out and about and they kick an Instagram pose and you're like okay they know what they're yeah, doing they right? know exactly what they're doing Mourinho is so good at this that when he starts kicking off with people he changes his angles a little bit because he knows where the where the camp what looks good for the, the Getty images he's so good at it honestly I swear I, I think he does this actually do you know when was that when Roy Keane when um, Roy Keane was noting this very dryly when uh, whenever United scored he said Beckham was always on the, was always first on the scene yeah to celebrate, like, like that kind of energy of like, <laughs> oh, what's John Terry doing here? <laughs> <laughs> but there's always, you know. But the thing about Mourinho is he's always lent into the performative aspect, hasn't he? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And not anyway. being funny, right, 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 right. To be honest with you, listeners going, oh, they're kicking off again. They knew what this was, right? They they knew what this was. Yeah. Listen, give me chaos all day. <laughs> uh, should we finish on a fun one? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. A couple of fun I mean, that, ones. That, that, that was a fun one too, but still, yeah, go for it. Fabian, let's use this one. Final question. Touching on the Kang discussion from Wright's House, which team mm. causes fear like Thanos? And which team should cause fear, but doesn't, like Kang? Oh my gosh. The latter's Atleti. Should cause fear, but don't. I would say Paris Saint-Germain, actually. Paris Saint-Germain should strike fear at anyone, but actually no one really respects them on the football pitch. Like, especially no, when they get fr- to the in the Champions League. Like, like, oh, they're, they're so disrespectful. So, so disrespectful. So actually, if you looked at it on paper, you'd be like, PSG are going to just like, oh my God. It's like in Ant-Man, when you see the massive Thomas the tra- Tank Engine driving around and then all of a sudden it bumps into tiny Ant-Man and just falls off. That's what PSG <laughs> are. <laughs> when PSG play teams in Liga, I think the other teams like, yay, yay. They're like, listen, bring all your content creators. Mm-hmm. We'll do something exciting. I think people play PSG this, this, uh, these times around expecting to get some kind of a rise out of them. Even if it's not a victory, they're like, we're going to show them something. So they're not feared. Teams that are feared at the moment. You know, it's a funny thing, actually. This is a funny question because right now in European football, right? I don't right, think a lot of teams are feared. No, no, there's no, no team. There's teams you don't, here's the thing. There's teams that, pro- there are problems you don't want. You don't want Union in a European tie. You mm. don't want that problem, right? There are specific problems you don't want. But we're in an interesting era or age where the great, the, the giants of the game all have like bloody noses, actually. Mm. They're very mortal. This is an era, this is a period, we can call it what the age of mortality, but there's a lot of mortality going around in European football at the moment. Like this, put it this way, there was no mid-90s Juventus. That was a team that inspired There's no fear. early 2010s Barca. Yeah, if we're defining teams that are terrifying, Mm, That's you know what I mean. Let's talk about terror teams. Like don't yeah, twenty ten. I think Barca. weirdly, I think Real Madrid are the closest to that at the moment. But yeah, they're miles off in the league. Not miles off, but they're like they're not really in Europe. They are in the Champions League. I think people are just like Real Madrid are 
Yeah. In the Champions League, yeah, yeah, they're eternal. But you're right, there's very few, very few fear of God teams, yeah. I think people will want to avoid Napoli. But, but they're, not a think, they're not a team that strikes terror. I, yeah, I think, they're, I think t- teams will be very wary of Napoli. I don't think yeah. they've built up enough to be feared yet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is there something, yeah, they need, they need to win something big in a certain way. They need, they need actually, don't they need, they've, they've got, and this is not disrespect for they're an amazing team. I almost feel like they need a signature knockout victory, weirdly mm. enough. Like they need to just absolutely, I know they had that victory against Liverpool, but because Liverpool are struggling, they maybe didn't get the full, Napoli haven't quite had the full breakout moment yet, I think, where everyone respects them. Everyone knows that they play gorgeous football, but they're still short of, you know, like when Barca, Barca had the 5-0 against Real Madrid or the 5-0 against AC Milan, or AC Milan had the 5-0 against Real Madrid in the 1989 European Cup semi. They need that myth-building result for people to be like terrified of them. Mm. But yeah, the great question, great question. The age of mortality. We're going to call it the, uh, the summer of disrespect. Or the winter of disrespect, it should have been. <laughs> the winter of disrespect, yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, call it that. All right, two bounce. Let's do it. I hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Don't forget to check Wright's house on Friday. Laura and I are joining Ian. Uh, Count the Press will be up today as well. Go and check Fun of the mm. Gang. Uh, don't forget to check the Stadio Outro's place on Spotify, playing out on Wayne Bonaparte. A track called Pan City. Anything you want to add, Musa Kwonga? No, I'm all good. I'm all good. Sure. Absolutely sure. <laughs> Absolutely sure. Positive. Positive. <laughs> All right, then, everyone. Have a lovely weekend. Much love. We'll be back with you on Monday. See you then.